Welcome to Saturday Morning Coffee here on the CSG Network. Uh, This is the weekly podcast where we wrap up the week it was for the Denver Nuggets and we talk about the future and bigger subjects in the second half. Um, To get started with this, I'm going to talk about this Denver Nuggets week where they ended up um, finishing kind of on a download note. Um, You know, the week proper is going to be ending actually the tonight as of this recording. So um, they played the Toronto Raptors tonight, but they played the Golden State Warriors on Thursday. They played the uh, um, uh, San Antonio, San Antonio, the (laughs) Sacramento Kings on Wednesday. And on uh, Monday, they played once again, the, the, uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors. So um, this was a, this was a, uh, and then on Sunday they played, uh, who, who did they play on Sunday? God, I, I don't remember. But anyway, they ended up finishing out the week, um, three and one. And the four games and five nights thing was, was difficult. And there is no, um, there is no greater, um, essay of that than the Nuggets losing steam in the last two minutes of the game, um, you know, going close, being closed out on a 13-0 run. Um, that is not the Denver Nuggets. And um, you could tell they were exhausted. And these, the reason it was a four games and five nights was because of the postponement of the game in uh, December that the Nuggets were going to play against the Golden State Warriors at the very tail end of December. That was postponed. That you will recall, the Nuggets uh, couldn't find enough players to play, and uh, Golden State was all pissy about it. Draymond Green tweeted about it, um, and then this ended up being remade to to this day in March, and of course that resulted in what was going to be a three games and four nights, and turned it into a four games and five nights. And it, um, you know, look, the, this this was the very the, the loss on Thursday to the Warriors is the very definition of a scheduled loss. If I'm the Golden State Warriors, I mean, you, I know Draymond uh, Green is not playing, but if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I'm not exactly um, over the moon about this v- victory of the Denver Nuggets on Thursday over an exhausted team that literally was not. Uh, uh, you know, was playing on fumes and, uh, you should have blown out. Um, and then they just, they just couldn't do it. And then pulling away at the end was largely due to Michael Malone making some strategic errors. Um, one primarily going far too long with, uh, both Nikola Jokic, even though he was in foul trouble, um, this was a game where Jokic needed to, if he thought they were, had a chance to win, he needed to go the extra mile. But primarily, um, the the game was lost because uh, Austin Rivers um, did not play. He played, there was like a five-minute stretch that Austin Rivers didn't play on Steph. And Steph got like, I think like 13 points. It's just like real quick. Um, and it's largely because, you know, for whatever reason, I don't think, uh, I don't think Austin is a, is a, uh, Steph Curry stopper. I think he's just a a guy who annoys him just enough to where he makes his shots more inefficient. Um, And that really was where the game was, was lost. The game was lost right there. And that's okay because this by and large was a scheduled loss. It was um, just one of those things. And uh, fortunately for the Denver Nuggets, the people, the game, the, the team that's pursuing them, 
Uh, the very next night, uh, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves lost to the uh, Orlando Magic. And one of those inexplicable losses, kind of like the Nuggets had against the Magic earlier in the year and uh, had against the Thunder uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, seriously, this is just this that time of year where wacky, wacky stuff happens. But the Nuggets play the Raptors tonight. This isn't really a quote-unquote week wrap-up. It's just like a wrap-up between Saturday to Saturday. So don't come at me, folks. Um, this also is the week that Nikola Jokic really set himself apart as in the MVP race. Now, um, anyone who has been a keen listener of CSG knows that I really do not care about the MVP award. Um, it is a, it is a award that is kind of like running for student class president. Um, the person who deserves it doesn't necessarily win it. Um, and I always thought that first team, uh, all NBA and Finals MVP are the probably the the uh, awards that um, last the longest. I always bring up Shaquille O'Neal. He only won one MVP uh, in two thousand uh, in the year two thousand, and um, you know undeniably he had a fantastic year that year. Uh, but he could have won it four or five more times, and uh, but he did have three consecutive Finals MVPs. Which to me is more significant. That tells me you are the best player on the best team that year. There is nothing. I mean, other than Andre Iguodala winning uh, that 2015 um, Warriors year, really, and when LeBron James was clearly the best player on the court that series. Um, the the by and large, the best player on the best team wins the finals MVP and best team and first team all NBA really is a more fair award. And I think really in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, grand scheme of things, all NBA teams mean, uh, a lot more for contracts and all that stuff. The, the MVP really is window dressing. And I said that even last year when Nikola Jokic was winning it. And all that being said, Nikola Jokic went through a gigantic stretch of basketball from, uh, it was the Pelicans they played. So they played the Pelicans, the Warriors, the Kings, the Warriors. And the Pelicans game was a masterwork. Um, you know, it's not as if he was playing against a, uh, a scrub. Jonas Valanciunas is a uh, uh, very, very competent NBA player. Uh, who himself had 19 points and 15 rebounds. It's just Nikola Jokic is Nikola Jokic, and he completely took over the game in the fourth quarter and overtime in a way that, you know, I talked about it earlier in the week. You just you just don't see that very often. He followed up with a, it was like 32 points and uh, and another triple, 32-point triple-double, and then he followed that up with a 38 points. And, you know, his down game was the one, the, the final one against the Warriors on Thursday, um, but those games, you know, like is really where he set himself apart and it was followed up with, uh, <laughs> Joel Embiid and James Harden laying the mother of all eggs against the, uh, Brooklyn Nets. Um, now it's not like laying an egg against the magic or the thunder or anything like that. This was a, this was a loss that, um, the entire city of Philadelphia had worked themselves up for, and they compl- I mean, specifically James, uh, small game James, completely crapped the bed. I I don't know if I've ever seen um, a team uh, not rise to a moment they themselves had built up. By the way, 
um, like the, the the Philadelphia 76ers did. Um, and it, it wasn't necessarily Embiid. Embiid just did what he always does. Um, it really was James Harden. And what was very clear was that the Sixers couldn't overcome uh, Harden's disappearing. Um, they didn't have the depth. They didn't have the shooting. Um, and quite frankly, Tobias Harris has really fallen off as an NBA player, really fallen off. And I think, I think if you're going to be looking at this uh, Sixers team, it's instructive to know that if you cause James Harden to uh, not be able to do what he usually does, which is may have a parade to the free throw line and then get, you know, you know, score 35 points, um, he is going to struggle. He is going to struggle in a way that he can't necessarily overcome. And the Sixers don't have the backup, you know, even with Joel Embiid on the roster. Uh, you would need Joel Embiid to have a willing partner willing to give up the ball in that sense. You would have to have a willing partner willing to understand that in that moment, um, small game James is coming up again, right? So uh, anyway, not to not to mock this, the the uh, Sixers, but there are, there's just so many different aspects of this week that coalesced at the same time. The Nuggets are still in the same plot. There's the sixth spot in the in the West, and having that sixth spot in the West is is not necessarily bad. In fact, I think if the Nuggets can safely coast in and stay out of the playing game, having the sixth spot will actually benefit them because I don't necessarily, you know, it doesn't matter once you, once you're locked into a spot, it really doesn't matter who you play because your spot is your spot. And the Denver Nuggets are kind of like, if they, if they're going to come in at the sixth spot, they're going to be playing, uh, either the Warriors, uh, the Jazz or the, um, uh, the Grizzlies. So, I mean, look, uh, it, it, you know who you're going to play. Um, going to the fourth spot would be great. I think that would be quite a lift right now for this Nuggets team, even though they've played extremely well the last 15 games. Um, it's just, it's, it's going to be difficult and they're, they're coming up to a pretty difficult stretch of games right now. So, um, the, the thing that they can do and the thing that they can probably rest assured on is, is staying at that sixth spot, staying out of the playing game. And making sure that um, they can uh, kind of get to the playoffs with some semblance of a uh, intact roster. And on the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about uh, the potential addition of Michael Porter Jr. and actually how he can help the Nuggets and be easily incorporated into what they do. But first, I need to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple of blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. Do you want reds? Do you want whites? Uh, that 2017 Cabernet is something that they always suggest people have. They also got the Blake Street blend. Um, they got all Matt. They got they got Syrahs. They got they really have everything that you need because it is a, the best wine bar in Denver. But they also have whites that you can do. Uh, try do. Um, you can also uh, sample whatever. Um, kind of partnerships they got with uh, Western Slope wineries, which uh, are all very, very good and very representative Colorado. 
They're also online at bfwdenver.com, always online. So you can pick up a bottle there, book yourself a virtual wine tasting with things a little cold. I mean, it's March, but with things still a little cold, um, you know, those things are pretty popular and they're really um, very easy and they send you some things to sample and they get it back and you get it and you you know, do a Zoom with a bunch of other people, wine enthusiasts, and it's it's really, really a good time. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. Michael Porter Jr. coming back is going to be a boon um, for the Nuggets' offense, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, And from almost every report that I've seen and based on who I've talked to, Mike looks really good. And uh, there was a report out uh, yesterday as of this recording from Mike Singer of the Denver Post talking about... um, Maybe Jamal Murray being 50-50 coming back. Um, Sources that I have been talking to for a while now have been much more pessimistic uh, about Jamal. Um, And which is why on Ryan Blackburn's podcast, I was like, well, Mike may make it back before Jamal. I think that that is kind of that that what I postulated. There's kind of a rounding into shape right now. Uh, Mike is a... uh, Easier to incorporate into into whatever the Nuggets are doing because he is not uh, ball dominant, um, you, and because I mean not that Jamal is, but when you have a point guard, yet it's harder with a guy who has the ball in his hands all the time. You're, there's a rhythm and a flow to basketball games. There, there are things that. Um, need to be worked on. They're like like parts of a machine. And this is why people need to look at this sort of thing. Nikola Jokic and Monte Morris are really kind of developing a nice two-man game here, and it's because they've worked on it all year. I mean, this stuff takes time. You know, yes, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic have a, have a two-man game. Uh, very good one. But it hasn't been worked on since April of 2021. And it... Obviously, we're coming up on a year of no Jamal, and it will be harder to incorporate him the longer this year goes by. Mike, on the other hand, is someone who played a little bit this year, but he was clearly hurt, and his shot wasn't going down. And when we're talking about Mike's shot not going down, um, it's like, especially since he's such a, um, a, a lethal shooter, it reduces the spacing when he's on the court. Um, so from, like I said, from all the real reporting you've seen and people I've spoken to have said that Mike actually looks really good. Um, there's no guarantee that Mike makes it back this year. I would say the chances are better than Jamal, but with, if slash when Michael Porter Jr. comes back and if he does, it'll be, I would circle, I would pencil in the last week of March as, as when Mike could potentially come back. That's just my own supposition, but the last week of March is what I would look to. Um, Mike is, uh, when you bring him in, having his gravity as just a shooter may gives a lot of benefit because this, this unit works as a whole already, when you add Mike 
it it makes the offense that much more lethal. Obviously, we know about Mike's defensive liabilities, and I don't know if that will be necessarily improved with with missing three months of the year, four months of the year. But Mike has uh, his shooting by itself. It's easier to incorporate because much like Bryn Forbes or anything like that, um, shooting is a skill that is an utmost value in the NBA. What the Nuggets choose to do with Mike, if slash when he comes back, is um, going to be interesting to see. If the will they try to bring him off the bench? Will they, uh, you know, work him in slow? What will be their plan? Um, now the starting unit, uh, people say that you can't, uh, you know, upset the chemistry of the starting unit. The starting unit has had a ton of injuries this year. The starting unit hasn't exactly been what you would call a consistent entity all year. So I'm not necessarily. I'm not saying that there is a built-in chemistry here right now. I mean, Will Barton's missed the last couple games. Um, there is a, you know, Jeff Green's missed games. Buddy Morris has missed games. Uh, Austin Rivers has missed games. This, is, this has been an influx thing all the time. The only constant, for the most part, other than when Nicole missed a game with suspension and it was hurt, um, the only constant has been Nicola. And as long as you can work around Nikola, Jokic, you'll be fine. And I think the Nuggets kind of look at what MPJ brings, and I think that they think that it would probably be easier, based on skill set, just to have him plug in and shoot. Um, not that that's the only thing that Mike does. He also rebounds and you can crash the boards and stuff like that. But, um, having that skill available will be much easier to incorporate in my opinion than having to work, to work in Jamal who has to have the ball in his hands. And I think that part is something that, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't know about Jamal. No one knows about Jamal. I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I I have been pessimistic for a while that Jamal will be able to make it back this year. Uh, but I could be surprised. The Nuggets don't exactly put out a ton of information about their injured players. Um, and that is why we get things like uh, um, Michael Porter Jr. replying to Isaiah Thomas in a... Uh, <laughs> Instagram post and it being like, whoa, uh, it's just, just the way things work. And I think that, I think that Mike coming back is the skill set to look for. He could unlock a lethal Nuggets offense, a healthy MPJ, mind you, could unlock a, a lethal Nuggets offense. Um, but it, when, you know, once with, as we all talk about with injured players, it takes time. Sometimes, you know, things don't click immediately. There's a lot of different things, a lot of different ways you can factor into this. And what I'm curious to see is if slash when Mike comes back, how they choose to use him to start off. Will they bring him off the bench? As I said before, will they just go ahead and start him? It's going to be interesting to see. This Nuggets team is uh, is really, really playing, I, I wouldn't say above their heads, but they're playing, they're playing in a way that is, uh, I would say, taxing um mentally and physically uh this year's they've been shorthanded all year my Nikola Jokic has really lifted this team in a way that uh that um it's even exceeds last year exceeds last year in a giant way um 
but you worry that the mental exhaustion will get to them, like kind of like it did at the end of last year. You don't want that to happen again. And uh, hopefully if MPJ comes back, uh, you see kind of this lifting of some anxieties and it really kind of unlocks some things that we've been missing from the Nuggets this year. Okay, before I get going, I'd like to give a shout out to my uh, to my friend Steve Gorman. Uh, thank you for uh, shouting me out last night and getting that sending that uh, well wish to me. Uh, just between you and me, I, I hope that my lack of presence at the um, at the uh, venue uh, actually made you guys play better. That's the way I'm going to look at this. So, anyway, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mordcast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.